You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. It's Tuesday, so it's time for It's My Money, brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth. And Brenthurst Wealth was voted South Africa's top boutique wealth manager in 2020 and also 2017. And today I'm talking to Magnus Haystack. And Magnus, you're very vocal, you're very vociferous via social media about offshore versus onshore when it comes to investments in South Africa. And some people say, well, it's all to do with the weakness of the South African rand. But you're not a currency trader. That's what I always think when you you come out with your, as I said, very um, forceful comments. You're not a currency trader. You're a different type of not trader but investor. Is that correct? I think that's correct, Lindsay. Good afternoon. And if one looks at the macro picture, you know, yes, the rand has over time uh, tend to weaken, uh, sometimes very sharply, and sometimes it's strengthened. So there is a long-term weakening trend of the rand versus the dollar. But the last five years, the rand is, has not moved very much. It's been volatile over five years. But the rand today is virtually the same as it was five years ago. Yes. Yet the JSE has, has underperformed world markets by 50%. In other words, you, you would have doubled your money over a five-year period. In fact, I did some studies this morning and I took – the Allen Gray Equity Fund five years ago, had you invested uh, a million rand, it is today worth 1.3 million rand. Mm. Had you invested the same amount of money in a portfolio of global funds, uh, and it'll be worth 2.6 million, exactly double. So that's even more ominous that the local market is not getting the returns it used to. And, and part of it is the dysfunctionality in many, many parts of South African society. It's the post office. It's SESCOM. I mean, we, you're talking to me now while I'm standing in an area where we just had a sudden and unexpected load shedding. I mean, we had load shedding last night. We had load shedding this morning. And we have load shedding again today. So don't tell me that this does not impact on profitability and confidence and those kind of things. So... So I get criticized quite often and get called all kinds of names. But uh, the last 13 years, the JSC has been a very, very poor place to put your money. But there still seems to be a lot of people who don't appreciate that. Look, there's some cyclicality within the South African investment environment. I mean, for example, platinum stocks, PGM stocks have done very well and then they come down again. So you have to be a stock picker and an asset class picker. But I, I know what you say. If you look at the all share index versus the S&P 500 or the MSCI, yes, then it has been a bad place to be. And I just want to talk to you about the deterioration of South African society because you mentioned the post office and this is a tiny tiny example from somebody sitting in the Netherlands who's a British citizen I sent a friend of mine uh, a present for his newborn son I posted it in the Netherlands it left the Netherlands within two days of me posting it and it was tracked and when it got to South Africa it disappeared I've never heard of it since it just wasn't delivered it was stolen as, as simple as that. And I can understand people that are poor stealing things. But on the other hand, I don't know, it just it's sort of symptomatic of the decay of the way that things should work. Am I being too fussy here? Not at all, Lindsay. Post office, there are thousands of examples. This morning in our practice, we're dealing with someone who passed away uh, 
couple of days ago, and now to get a, an executor's letter from the master's office that has been offline for almost a year now would uh, take three to six months. So effectively, the winding up of that estate will uh, be delayed by three to six months. Bank accounts are frozen. People cannot make payments in the interim. Again, uh, an example of what is happening, but this is in, this affects a lot of people. I tweeted about this incident, and I got hundreds of responses saying that's exactly what's happening. The master's office, dysfunctional, not operating, doesn't respond, and the whole executorship business is almost ground to a standstill with, with profound long-term implications for, for, for beneficiaries and children. It, it is just part of the overall you know, systematic uh, collapse of, of South African society. I mean, we, we, we laugh about it, we joke about it, but until it hits you and you have to deal with the ramifications. Yeah, I don't know if we laugh and joke about it anymore because I think it's becoming more and more serious. But let's not talk about South African society. Let's talk about uh, the way that we should adapt to what we've just spoken about uh, from an investment uh, point of view. You've mentioned uh, the name of a company called Alan Gray, and I've got no loyalty to Alan Gray. I'm sure that over the years there have been many, many people that have been served well by Alan Gray. You also talk about Old Mutual uh, quite, quite a lot. You say, well, if you'd have done this or if you'd have done that, Old Mutual would have yielded you this and whatever other investment it was, you would have have done done much better. Do you think that South African larger institutions are uh, burying their heads in the sand? I think they're very much aware of what's going on and they're trying their very best with massive advertising budgets to conceal investment returns as best they can. I, I jacked the other day to somebody that for the last couple of years, uh, and I attend many, many seminars and webinars, fund managers don't talk about the last five years of returns. They talk about the future. Mm. And, and that is very dangerous because they say, well, the last five years have been terrible, but you are really going to make a lot of money in the future. And, and that is a dangerous, and that's across the board because they dare not talk about the historical returns. So now they're trying to tell people that they know what's going to happen in the future and people should plan accordingly, which is, which is very, very dangerous. And, and, and I've just noticed they just ramp up the, the advertising in, in, when these returns are so poor. So the average poor guy who's putting away his money in investment fund or retirement fund, doing all the right things, yes. but the returns have just not been there which I think is unfair. And lastly, I think there are certain parts of the media that are simply not right about the poor returns uh, of the large assets. That's because they're sponsored, Magnus. It's because they're sponsored by the larger institutions. Because they're sponsored. I am clashing heads with editors and I'm saying, you have to write about this. And it just simply comes back, not interested, and then you can see the advertising uh, appearing in those publications. It happens all the time. Yeah. Well, I suppose you have to be uh, beholden to your, your sponsors if they're paying you a decent amount. But on the other hand, you mustn't ever allow your editorial integrity to be diminished by uh, by that. But anyway, that's that, that's another story. So what do we do now? What do you do? What, what do you do? Let's say that somebody's uh, suddenly got, um, you know, suddenly earning 50000 a month and has got uh, 15000 a month to invest. What do you say to that person, him or her? Well, if they're looking for long-term equity type of investments, it has to be offshore. 
You said looking for high income earning bond funds or high income yielding funds, they stay in South Africa. You know, it's been a great, great strategy to have the income producing portion of your of your portfolio in South Africa, giving you between eight and eleven percent and taking hundred percent offshore. And that that combo in living annuities and in discretionary portfolios have done exceptionally well. Uh, and that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. So it'll continue in the future. You you don't see any switch. Um, you don't see any need to deviate from the view that you've just put forward. No, not at all. If you look at uh, almost on a daily basis, companies announcing their delisting from the JSE. I think there was two yesterday. I, I know that Leila Ferry is trying very hard to you know beat the drum of the JSE. But I just have to look at the numbers, uh, Lindsay. I look at the outflow of capital from South Africa, from the JSE in particular, uh, one of the main um, barometers that I look at. And the money is just pouring out of the JSE. And, and for obvious reasons, people are making huge amounts of money elsewhere. Why would they stick to a stock market that historically has done well, but hasn't done well in the last 13, 15 years? And, you know, the one thing that people forget is in 2015, effectively, exchange control was abolished. When the annual allowance was increased to 10 million rand, plus the 1 million rand travel allowance, that, in the context of a family, is a a lot of money. And and, and the wealthy South Africans have been repatriating their funds in a fairly dramatic way since 2015. Do you think that, um, given what you've said and given what you've been saying for many, many years, Magnus, do you think you're obviously very open-minded? Uh, you've been very, very right as a Brentos Wealth representative and also as a, as a personal investor. Do you think there's any point that you will say, okay, I'm willing to change my mind because this, this, and this has happened? Do you think it will ever happen in South Africa in your lifetime? I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very, very willing, and I've, I've said so, that there have been some smaller fund managers We've been doing some very nice stock picking on the local markets. Counterpoint Value Fund from run by Pitfield Union has done very well because he steered away from NASPA. So you will get individual fund managers, normally uh, boutique type of operators and, and smaller funds that can you know, be flexible enough to pick good companies on the JSC. But the big funds, the large, large funds will struggle to, to perform going forward. So yes, we do make use of some of the smaller players and that's been very nicely for us, but those are very uh, strategic allocations. The better call still is, in my view, a global global equities and then you can cherry pick from the, from the best in the world. Magnus, thanks very much for your insight. That's Magnus Haystack from Brentos Wealth and that was It's My Money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brentos Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.